Welcome to Dumb Girl Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Fury. Here we talk all things about wellness, relationships, business, and sexuality. Nothing is really dumb, and there's always something we can all learn in each episode that will continue to help you evolve into your best self. Thanks for listening. Let's get into today's episode. podcast i am your host jessica fury this is the podcast where we talk about business relationships wellness and sexuality and all those things that we just need to learn a little bit more about today i have this amazing guest her name is tanya Dahl. she is a film director she is a photographer and she is your everyday spiritual teacher she is definitely in this world she brings so much positivity and so much healing and especially from her own experience, and I am so incredibly grateful to have her on the podcast. Just a little bit of a disclaimer before we get into today's episode, some of the subjects that will be spoken about are in relation to different areas of wellness and healing. If you want more information about it, you can reach out to either of us after the episode, but please always check with professionals. So let's get into today's episode, Tanya. Hey, nice disclaimer. Yeah, I know. <laughs> just to make Always sure. Always gotta protect my ass. No, I got it. I got it. As you should. As you should. I think we were talking about changing all these careers, and I was mentioning now I'm in real estate, and I'm always like, protect your ass. Like, always put it back onto just like protecting, protecting ourselves. And you come from such an incredible background. Just introduce yourself to the listeners. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Um, My name is Tanya Dahl. Um, I've been a commercial director for about 15 years, and um, I tend to go towards the more sci-fi funny aspects and bringing mystical creatures into everyday advertising. And now I am venturing out into a new spiritual field and um which is not actually new to me it's something that i've been doing since i was a child but now i'm just comfortable enough to actually go forth with it and not care what anybody thinks so um yeah and what does that mean like you're just going forth with it and you you know you don't really care what anybody thinks what does that mean well so growing up i've when it comes to like spiritual aspects um I've always had extrasensory abilities. So I've always seen ghosts. I've been able to read auras. I have premonition dreams when people die, um, all kinds of stuff. And these are things that I kept really, really hidden um, and also caused me because of social programming and people telling me that it's scary, right? That's not right or that's evil or that's whatever it may be. People's own personal ideas being like pushed upon me. I suppressed all of it and lived in a constant state of fear um, when the next ghost sighting would happen or, you know, when I would have another premonition dream or whenever anything would happen like that. And um, just like for a tiny little story, when I was in college, I was in a speech class and I had to give a speech on something and I changed my speech at the last minute to auras. And I was like, you know, when you're 
in class and everybody's heads are glowing and everyone was like looking around like what what is she talking about and I'm like uh uh okay well put your fingers together and like focus on the tips of your fingers and then pull them apart I'm like do you see like the rainbow light coming in between your fingers and everyone's like touching their fingers together like what is she talking about and I'm like that's an aura and I was like oh my god nobody understands me everybody thinks I'm a total weirdo and this is the first time I was going to film school so I thought that it would be a more open crowd an artistic creative crowd you know and it was I was met with a lot of resistance for sure to something that wasn't even that crazy to me and but I did walk out of the class and my friend Kalai or this guy Kalai came over to me and he goes you and I are going to be friends and I was like oh at least I made one friend out of it so right, so uh, but before getting into this whole spiritual yeah. and um, extraterrestrial, take me further back. Like, are you from here? Because I'm originally from New Jersey. And I think sometimes when I talk about like the spiritual stuff, it is so normal for Los Angeles. I can be like, I take plant medicine and I'm doing ceremonies and I'm listening to ayahuasca music. And people are just like, well, whatever, it's normal. Like everything is just so normal here, you know, so... And when I talk to people that, not like they don't live here, but if I talk to people back east, they're like, uh, that's such an L.A. thing. That's such an L.A. thing. And I'm like, really? Like, is it? Like, so can you just take me back? Like, where did this all start? Are you from here? Like, what's, what brought you to where you are now with it? Um, <clears throat> so I was born in Southern California in a place called Glendora. And when I was like nine years old, my parents moved me up to Santa Cruz because they wanted to get me away from the smog. Because <clears throat> back in the day, Los Angeles, or at least Glendora, had smog days where the smog was so bad that you weren't supposed to go to school or go out of your house. It was really, really bad. And my parents were like, we need to get her away from this. So we moved up to Santa Cruz, which is in the Bay Area near San Francisco. And um, my parents are... They're like hippies at heart, but my dad's like a motorcycle mechanic and like a all around creative. And my my mom's a creative too, but she like hides it. But they're both into holistic um, ways of healing. Like if we had anything, if I ever had anything wrong with us, me and my parents, it was like, oh, take echinacea or vitamin C or um, your throat hurts, take honey and lemon. Like we never used medication. Mm. Um, so I kind of grew up with, um, a family that worked with a lot of holistic stuff, not everything, but, um, I'm really, I feel really blessed to have parents that ventured that way. So, um, yeah. And Santa Cruz is like a little hippie town. It's where Lost Boys was filmed. I don't know if you've ever seen The Lost Boys, that like movie from the eighties with the vampires. Mm, I don't know. Oh. But I know the Lost Boys, the hip hop the hip hop group. <laughs> not, <laughs> not, 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 what I'm about. not what I'm talking about. It was a vampire vampire movie, but uh do these guys dress like vampires? No, they had like this very famous song called Renee, so if Oh, okay. <laughs> if you know that song, it's def I think they're from the East Coast. I think they're from New York. But oh, okay. anyway, tell me about the Maybe band. it's like an East Coast thing and I just <laughs> no, don't it's know. Not. I'm not. No, okay, it's not. I just People don't know. know about Lost Boys. Okay, sorry. I just don't but know. But it's B O Y Z. Oh, of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, were they a boy band? Yes, it's a hip hop. Well, it's hip hop. But were they like a boy band? Like, did they do dances and stuff? I Because with a Z at the end of their name, that, that sounds like, like they did dances. Street Boys type of dancing. It's like hip-hop like you move your shoulders you move your body <laughs> is that how hip-hop is like, you do like a little bounce with the shoulders 
<laughs> okay. Well, so not really a boy band, not like a, okay, not a choreographed boy band, but okay, a band of boys. Gotcha. Yes. Okay. I guess so. Gotcha. And not a band. Drop the band. Hip hop artist. But isn't that kind of a band still? No, I don't think that hip hop artists go by band. I think that band is like drums, guitars. But in sync wasn't? Yeah, but they were a but I don't know. They considered I, themselves a band. I mean, I'm someone just, will just have saying. to let me know. Like, I will, I'm just saying. I don't know. Please somebody tell us because I would like to know too. Yeah, me too. I don't know. I think it's a hip-hop group. Christian, do you know? I think it's like a hip-hop group. <laughs> yeah. Both, both Lost Boys, very, very good. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Christian approves of both Lost Boys, yeah. so thank you. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. But it was because of that movie that it – that connected you to like no 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 not at all no um I just I've been like a weirdo kid my whole life like you know the are you talking about like the spiritual aspect of it whatever um, I mean you were talking about the vampires and the lost boys so. I mean maybe my parents just like subconsciously moved me up to like a very weird haunted place but um you yeah, know I was seeing ghosts and having weird stuff happen wow. in my life since I was the first time I remember is like five years old um like we had really weird stuff happen where uh, the bathroom door would shut and my mom would like try to open it but there would be a hamper with heavy stuff in it pushed up against the door but there's no way somebody could have done that there's a bathroom window that's maybe like eight inches across on the other side of the bathroom there's no way somebody could have pulled it you know into huh. so there's like a lot of just strange things and like I when I was really little I was trying to go to sleep and I saw this woman walk across the hallway and I was like oh. I was like, oh my God, I thought it was my mom, but she was in a big, long black dress. And so like I followed her outside and fell asleep in the doghouse. So that was, like that was dog, the first time I remember. Like the doghouse, doghouse? Yeah. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, actual doghouse. Okay. We had like three okay. black German shepherds and they oh. were, they were, they had a big doghouse and I somehow found my way into there and fell asleep after following the ghost. So um, that was just, yeah, it's always been that way. And I always used to think I would just move into haunted houses, huh. but they say people are haunted, not places. So I don't know if that, if that's real. I feel like everybody has the ability. It's just like some people are just a little more open to it. So fast forward, you went through your teenage years. You were just like, whatever. You just put a bit past you. You're like, oh, whatever. Halloween. I'm just going to enjoy, you know, the spirits and all that stuff. And then you go through your 20s. You have this experience in college. Yeah. And then where did you, were you just like, wait, I need to connect to this. Like, I need to move mm. into this place of connecting to this, this thing that's going on with this. I never knew it was a possibility to, <clears throat> just as I didn't know growing up that directing was a real career, I didn't know that you could actually connect to, like, your spiritual side and that seeing ghosts and stuff like that was actually you being in tune with stuff. So... Like when it comes to extraterrestrials, right? So ETs or aliens or whatever people call them. Um, my dad always watched the X-Files. And every time I heard the song play, I was like, no, it's so scary. And I would like cover my ears and run to my room like since I was a child. And so I had this like big like uh, fear around anything that was extra dimensional or supernatural or something like that. Because it was in my experience as a human like constantly. And... Um, even in my directing, when I would, when I possibly could, I would bring in monsters or aliens or supernatural things mm. into the experience and put them in a, a uh, sort of like funny or comedic light in order to 
kind of break my own fear. Mm. Um, but it wasn't until, um, <clears throat> actually it wasn't until I met my fiance. He, I met him the day after Christmas randomly at a Starbucks. And when he and I met up, we were actually just friends in the beginning and we started talking and I was like, oh yeah, I see ghosts, I'm terrified of aliens, I have ADD, OCD, blah, 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 I have back injury, I have all this stuff. And he goes, what the hell, we have the same story, I need to take you to plant medicine, like you need to come to plant medicine. And he's like, have you heard of ayahuasca before? And I was like, actually, this is really strange because my friends, Eric and Danielle, had just mentioned ayahuasca and they had done it and it was really amazing for them. And then I did um, an Akashic Records reading, this this really amazing uh, Akashic Records reader, Anne. Um, <clears throat> I spoke to her and she told me that Mother Ayahuasca was calling to me. So the third time was the charm, which was Cody, my now fiance, telling me to go to ceremony. And I originally was like, no, I have to go to Peru. I have to do this the right way or whatever. But I ended up going to an American <coughs> shaman who, um, and the re only reason I went is because Cody's mom was going. And because she was going, I was like, wait, if his mom can do this, I can do this. So I went and, um, like right when I got into the medicine, the first thing that happened is I was met by three beings and they just exuded such love. And they were like, it's been us the whole time. We've been trying to get your attention. And I was started crying and I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm home. And it was like a sense of home that I've never had here. It's a, it's like a soul sort of home, if that makes any sense. Um, because I, I don't believe that, I feel like this is a temporary experience here on earth, right? But our our soul continues on because it's just energy, so it continues onward. And we have many different existences in many different dimensional planes and universes and parallel uh, realities and all this stuff. So um, it was kind of like the the meeting point of all of that, that I went back to and met these beings. And I was like, oh my God, I'm afraid for no reason. Like, it's the fear and the programming of the earthly realm that people are like, you need to be scared of something that, that's not like human or anything that we don't understand. Which, if you look at society, that's all we do, right? We condemn things that we don't understand, right? That's, that's what everything is about. That's what all the hate in the world is about. It's about us condemning the things that we don't understand because people don't open themselves up to, like, understanding each other. Um, you know... I started using plant medicine and I was telling someone that we both know the other day it was like oh I can't wait to go to ceremony in January I love to start in January it's like starting a new year starting microdosing or starting no no, no um like I ayahuasca yeah <clears throat> and you know just to help the people that are listening to really help share with them what is ayahuasca and prior and in addition to that you know I've just heard you share you have such a large presence online and and your your TikTok is such an, an incredible channel I know it's such a new platform but you bring so much positivity and so much healing I mean I definitely will put this in the show notes so you guys can really see what she's about and she brings such an incredible presence with different areas of healing but you talk about you used to take prescriptions 
for anxieties <clears throat> and OCD. And before you jumped into this this place of plant medicine, you know, these prescriptions, I had a brother who passed on from an opioid addiction, mm -hmm. and I'm, I don't go into the prescriptions. I, I'm, I'm terrified. So even prior to going into ayahuasca, um, a mutual friend that we have, she knows that I'm I was terrified. That's why this last episode that we had at ceremony that I literally, my body went into a shock because I was just terrified of, of my body going into that place of ever overdosing. Yeah. What was it that you were taking prescriptions for at the time you were, and what was your turning point that, that changed direction to go into a different place? So um, I was on um, <clears throat> ADD medication. So I was taking something called Dexedrine for ADD, and um, my psychiatrist, I had never really gone to a psychiatrist before, but he was trying to put me on like anxiety medication and like all this other stuff. And I was like, no, 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 I'm not just gonna be filled with pharmaceuticals. Like my parents are going to kill me anyway if they find out that I'm taking ADD medication. But the reason I started taking it is I started working at a production company and I was like, I can't screw this up. I can't screw this up and I know how my brain is and I needed to be able to focus. So I, that's why I did it out of desperation and not really understanding myself and my body and my brain and all that stuff. But the thing is, is that, so pharmaceuticals, there's different kinds. So there's pharmaceuticals that can help get rid of something. So like if somebody has like an infection or something like that, you take pharmaceuticals to help remove that infection, right? That's a different kind of medicine. I'm talking about the medicine, the pharmaceuticals that I don't like are the ones that just mask a problem. So the ones that are for depression or the ones that are for ADD or anxiety or any of these things or for like pain management too because people get so addicted to them and then you as well are the opioid crisis that we have in our country. And um, I'm really sorry about your brother, by the way, that is so <clears throat> heartbreaking and it happens to so many people. He visits me in medicine. I love that, of course yeah, he, he does. In. He comes in every time. You got your helper on the other side. <laughs> it's wild. Yeah. I'm like, there he is. Yeah, right. And he's just like celebrating. So I kind of, I yeah. enjoy that. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. Um, so the, I was, I was taking ADD medication, but it was messing with me. It was, um, I couldn't sleep at night because uh, ADD medication is basically methamphetamines. So it's this almost the identical makeup, like chemical makeup as methamphetamines, which is crazy because like somebody says, oh, I'm doing meth. And you're like, oh God. But you're like, oh, I'm on ADD medication. People are like, oh good. And you're like, it's literally <laughs> the same thing with a slight <laughs> variation. And so I was totally cracked out on ADD medication during the day and then I couldn't sleep at night. Adderall? Yeah, it was mm -hmm. uh, called Dexedrine was the one mm -hmm. I was on. Oh. Mm -hmm. And so I couldn't sleep at night. So I was getting maybe three hours of sleep a night and mm. I wasn't eating. Mm. Um, I lost an insane amount of weight, yeah. like to the point where my family was like, we need to take you to a doctor or something wrong with you. And my friends too, it was, it was, I was not in a good place. And I was seeing that it was making me super irritable. I couldn't focus at all if I wasn't on it. And there were just a lot of repercussions. I wasn't sleeping. I was seeing my eyes and my skin and everything start to become messed up from not sleeping and not taking care of myself because I wasn't eating properly. I wasn't eating barely at all and mm. I wasn't sleeping. Mm. And I was on basically methamphetamines, right? So um, when I went into ayahuasca, I realized that all of these like things that people consider like mental disorders are really just that our society doesn't make room for 
the way that people are naturally. And a lot of societal programming can cause people to have like depression because they feel like their authentic self is being completely squashed and they're being told who they have to be and how they have to be in this world. But they're like, that doesn't make sense to me. That's not who I am. And so they go through this depression. They feel like they don't fit in in the world. They they feel isolated because with social media and everything, nobody's seeing each other anymore, especially during COVID. Like nobody's seeing each other anymore. We become so distant from each other that it's caused, like we are social beings. We're social creatures. We need each other. We need other beings. And so many people don't have that. And though social media can be a curse and a blessing, it does isolate people more because they feel like they're not good enough because everybody's posting their highlight reel, right? Um, but also it can connect people too. Like I have, through my TikTok, I have made so many connections and so many friends and like I never thought that because when I first heard of TikTok, I was like, oh, it's just a bunch of people dancing. I'm like, this is really strange. What I was like, no TED interest. Talk about? What? What was your TED talk about? TED talk. What was it about? TikTok. I know what TED talk is. No, I said TikTok. Oh, TikTok. I think you said TED talk. I was like, no, no, no. My TED talk. Yeah, my TED talk. No, let's just put that out there. Like in the next two years, I'll do a TED talk. I know your your TikTok videos have gone viral. They are incredible. They are literally (laughs) incredible. And you talk about this one video I was watching last week because you're like, hey, friends, let's talk about this and let's talk about, you know, the trauma and let's talk about the anxiety. And, you know, you and I, we really like powwow when it talks when we talk about this. And, you know, we my experience with plant medicine is so new that I feel so grateful to be like, okay, this is what's going on. How do I integrate this? And whether or not somebody's using different types of plant medicine, uh, just to share with people that so ayahuasca is a tea, right? Is a is, is a, a tea? tea, right? Yeah, is it's that a what brew. It would yeah, be considered like yeah, a, I guess it would be a tea. Yeah, if somebody's like, what is it? You know, it's like a psychedelic tea. Yeah, it's uh, the ayahuasca vine and shakruna. I mean, I think it's called shakruna leaf, and they mix together. Uh, the ayahuasca vine actually has the DMT in it, but the um, I feel like I'm saying it might be wrong. Shakruna, the leaf, is the thing that actually stops the DMT from processing in your body so quickly. So it's an elongated DMT experience. Mm-hmm. And you definitely want to find like a shaman. And oh yeah, don't do it by yourself, please don't. Well, you <laughs> just do don't. By yourself. Um, but it's. In addition to that, do you practice other plant medicines? I know that I've shared with you that I microdose psilocybin, yeah. and it's been incredible. I've I've probably turned it on to tons of people that I'm like, whoa, like I'm not a guru, I'm not an expert on this, but I've just shared so so much with others with like my anxiety and certain like yeah. um, experiences of depression, just a lot of being overwhelmed with a lot of like new and uncertainty and certain I guess traumas that the medicine has brought up that I'm still healing and and you were sharing with me that you have been confronted in ways with the medicine that you healed your trauma and your anxiety and your OCD and how did you integrate those messages to your everyday because sometimes that can be like what are all these things I'm I'm being told this is who I am I'm not good enough okay whatever let's move it along and continue to be the person that I am knowing that I'm not good enough but whatever these messages that I'm receiving I don't know how to integrate and stuff is coming up but how do you know how do you take what you're getting integrated so I think the the main problem with um, people 
doing any sort of like therapy work when I think plant medicines are just uh, expedited therapy um, is that people think they're supposed to be healed overnight. But so like I'm 37 years old. I have had 37 years of um, trauma built up, right? Just from being a human and being on this planet as every single person does. And we don't even realize it's trauma because our personalities are literally made up from the trauma that we deal with. And it might not even seem like trauma, but to like a child who's just learning how to be a human on earth, um, a trauma could be like their parents being like, no, don't touch that. Be quiet. You know, don't, don't do that. That's weird around people and whatever that carries trauma because trauma is a slow removal from our authentic self. Right. So we're told like not to be a certain way. So when it comes to any sort of therapy or plant medicines, really it's becoming in contact with your childlike self so you can start to parent your child self to move through the trauma and that's not going to happen overnight because you have had however many years of trauma built up so it's really learning how to be really gentle with yourself and sit with the trauma when it arises so something that is um that i always tell people to do is be the observer of your reality so who's piloting your avatar, right? Imagine your body is just like an avatar in like a game. Who's piloting it? Who's like the controller of the game? Because if you, if you think about listening, right? Who's listening? Like, think about it. Who's actually listening right now? And that gets you further and further and deeper into yourself. You're like, oh, this isn't really just my body listening. There's somebody else listening. So becoming understanding that that pilot is inside your avatar and you become a conscious observer of every single thing around you as it is a game. So imagining that we're in a game and everything that comes to you, every person that passes by and says something, every uh, relationship, every moment is designed for your personal growth. So it is trying to move you along and if you become the observer and be present, that's the whole point of being present, is that when you're present, you are able to be in the here and now and observe everything in your senses, sight, smell, hearing, touch, like everything, right? All of your senses, you are able to be so present and so focused that you are able to take in the messages around you. Like they say, the person in front of you is a mirror for yourself, right? things that irritate you or trigger you about somebody else is something that is inside of you that's not healed yet. And healed is kind of a hard word to use because it implies that you are like sick or something is wrong with you, but there's not anything wrong with you. It's that these traumas haven't been paid attention to. They have literally just been told over and over again that they're wrong, your trauma's wrong, the way that you're acting is wrong, and something's wrong with you. So when you become the observer of your reality and you watch traumas or you watch things trigger you, right? When you get really upset about something, the best thing you can do is sit with it and start to parent the child. So you go in and you find, you sit with that feeling and then you find the earliest memory of that feeling that you can remember. You can go back in like five year increments, which is the easiest. Like, okay, in the past five years, when's the last time I felt this? Okay, in 10 years, when was the last time I felt that? Okay, and you go further and further into the farthest memory that you can possibly reach. And in that, you will find something that is the trauma trigger. And usually it happens when you're really little. 
under the age of 10, usually are before the age of seven. And you can actually go in through meditative process and speak to your child self. And this is like the wildest thing ever because it sounds so like woo woo and weird, but it works. It really works sitting without judgment, sitting and talking to the traumatized child inside of you. And it might even seem like now as an adult being like, oh my God, that traumatized me. Like that doesn't seem like a big deal, but it doesn't matter. That's judgment. It traumatized the little you, right? The sitting is, you're only referring to meditation, correct? I mean, just sitting in general, just being present in the moment, which meditation is just that anyway. Yeah, but I mean, we're also living in a world where, I mean, people, I've been in fitness for almost 20 years and I've heard every excuse possible for somebody not to meditate. Every excuse possible why somebody doesn't work out when I'm not there. Every excuse I've heard. And, you know, sitting with something, and I think that you and I started talking about this because I've shared some of the things that have been coming up from, from taking medicine and integrating things. I do go to therapy because it is help, it is helping me, and she is a, a supporter of plant medicine. So she supports that I use it. And That's awesome that you found yeah, a therapist. I mean, <laughs> well, I've, I've shared this with people that, when the therapist asks me what's my goal, I also am very straightforward and I say I practice plant medicine and do you support it? And if they support it, then they will integrate it. If they don't support it, then they most likely will not take you on as a client. So I'm straightforward because that's a part of my healing and that's that's what I choose to do as my healing. And that's smart to be straightforward because I feel like a lot of people hide stuff from therapists <laughs> until like it comes out like 10 years later and they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, that straightforwardness can sometimes be a lot for someone to take. And a lot of those, a lot of those things is what I've been experiencing with things coming up. And I'm almost like, yeah, I'm sitting with this, but what does it mean? Like I was explaining to you, I was like, wait, I was just fine. Now I'm like laying on the floor crying. Mm-hmm. Like now I'm emotional to this. Now I'm reactive to this. And it's almost like observing it is great. But it's like I was saying t- this to you. I'm like people go into plant medicine because they want to shatter the ego. They want to shower that shatter that part of them that it either needs to be healed, doesn't want to be depressed anymore, wants to find that part of them that just want to be like alive and full and, and present in the world. And they want to be in their best self every day. Like they're like – how can I move past these things? And it's like, when does the shattering happen? <laughs> okay, so this is actually like a problem that I have that people keep saying, oh, I need to like kill my ego. I need like an ego death. Yeah. And honestly, you're not going to ever get rid of your ego. Your ego is your, like your human self. So it's society. It's the, the world that we live in. So the ego is just is a great like a great teacher, like a really great teacher. When you shatter the ego or have an ego death, really what you're doing is becoming aware of the ego. So you're becoming aware of it as a separate entity. So you realize that there's a soul inside of you. There's somebody else piloting the avatar, right? And then there's the ego, which is like your human, your human body. It's kind of like the earth soul. It's like your human body, um, little guide. And then you have your spirit guide, which is like your soul. So the ego needs to be integrated not destroyed because you can't destroy it because if you lost that then you wouldn't even be able to like uh, navigate this world you wouldn't be able to connect with anybody because you would have lost all of that which is um 
like society. It's our programming. It's our ego, right? It's the thing that like drives us forward. So integration is really just being able to hear the ego when it's like yelling, right? Which also the ego has a lot of trauma on it. So it's the same thing. It's literally being aware of when it's triggered and when it's trying to take over, take the reins and you see it and you go, all right, I see what you're trying to do, but I'm not going to react. I'm going to respond to this. So you have to like, that's why breath work is really important. Really like just taking a couple of seconds to not be reactionary and instead reaction is based in trauma it's based in the past it's like a reaction is from something that's happened before and it's your way of stopping it from happening again but you're not in the same situation where the trauma occurred you're just you just need to respond to the situation so like me I can get um I can get really like angry or heated about stuff and I have to be and it doesn't happen all the time, but I, I can definitely get that way. I'm a human. And like my partner will be like, all right, Tanya, you're reacting like, you know, and then I'll be like, shut up. Oh, and I'm like, I just need a second. And then I go away and then I'm like, OK, I'm not responding to this. I'm reacting to this. Where is this coming from? I sit with it for a second and then I come back out. I'm like, sorry about that. Like, I understand like what what I was doing is just uh, taking like old feelings and putting them into this moment. I was just triggered. Right. So nobody, nobody's going to be perfect. There's no such thing as perfect. There's no such thing as never being reactionary. Like you are a human living in, especially if you're living in like a city, if you're like a monk in the middle of the woods with a bunch of other monks, great. Maybe you're not going to be triggered because everybody else is chill too. Right. (laughs) Everyone's chill. But we live in like the real world where there's a bunch of people who are on their own mission, especially in Los Angeles. Right big cities everybody's kind of like doing their own thing and they're very just like thinking about themselves and nobody else so there's some beats going on out here (laughs) um but um yeah i don't know it's just that what was i saying um now i forgot integrating into los angeles and bigger (laughs) cities and you know it's like there's actually i was reading something last week and it said that even the monks are triggered that makes sense. And they come back to their and they come back to their breath, but they're also meditating for many hours at a time. And you know, it's sitting with things coming up is a lot of work. It's like a totally different work than like creating a business, starting a new career. Like it's you know, being in a relationship is probably almost something that I would compare it to doing the work for myself as much as the work is to be in a relationship. And it's I think within my experience of the things that I've experienced with the medicine and also just relationship stuff of like, we can help each other heal, but when we're confronted with our own stuff, we almost don't want to go back into that place. Because sometimes I'm like, I said this to you, I was like, oh, it's my ego. Oh, it's my insecurity. Oh, it's my anger. Oh, it's my frustration. Oh, it's my fear. And you're like, no, it's 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 your work. It's your healing. It's like you see it in such a positive way. And for someone who's new to this or somebody who wants to get into this, where they're like, 
I see this as something that wants to be healed. So how do I go forward with it if I'm already observing what it is? You know, it's like one of those things I was joking around with someone the other day. I was like, if I can pray it away, I would pray it away and it <laughs> probably would already be gone. You know, so what are some things that you help people or what has helped you work through those things, those reactions, those traumas? So um, a lot of times people think that they're being um, present and they think that they're actually being the observer of their world, but they're viewing it through the lens of judgment based on their own past experiences so truly becoming like an observer of your reality you can even try it for just like a day right literally walk down the street be completely open without judgment to every single thing that comes towards you everything any conversation you hear in passing um, bugs or insects or um, birds or anything that's flying around the way that the wind feels the emotions that come up the thoughts that come into your head um, all of that stuff. So our inner guidance system is our intuition, right? So I believe that when we come here, we are literally just split from our higher selves. So our part of us stays in the spiritual realm to be able to speak to us and guide us. That's our intuition. And then our physical body is like the little avatar. And that's the part that we're running around the this like game in. So we're constantly being whispered messages all day, every day. But we get so stuck in not paying attention to what's happening and what we're feeling and stuff. We're, we have put so much judgment on it. Like, oh, God, I'm feeling this way again. This is coming up again. Why am I doing this again? Or why am I thinking about this? Or why am I in this repetitive pattern? Or whatever it may be. But it's just that our intuition is constantly giving us stuff. And the game is designed perfectly to guide us through it. So... For one day, just one day, try observing without judgment, without your trauma lenses on, just as a blank canvas, right? Not Jessica, not Tanya, just a blank canvas. Walk down the street, go throughout your day and just observe. And I guarantee that you will hear the messages so clearly if you don't go at this with your judgment and trauma lenses on. And... Also, something else that is so, so important, especially as we get older, is that we forget to be creative and we lose our childlike self, which our childlike self is our authentic self. That's the part that's screaming to get out. That's why art and music and any way you can express yourself is so important because that's your child authentic self coming out and you're expressing it into the world. And that's our job. We are all creators in a realm of creation so we were created to create we're supposed to create to show the world how we see the world right that's what all art is so even if you think you're not creative which so many people tell me that and it blows my mind that people think they're not creative because there's no such thing (laughs) I swear there's no such thing is draw paint dance like be an explorer of your world go look at plants and bugs and play with animals and like build a fort you know how many times i build blanket forts i build blanket forts all the time (laughs) it's like i'm 37 years old and i build blanket forts all the time and they're magical and it breaks up the space it breaks from the monotony of every single day and it gets you into that child state of play and play is so important that's why if you're doing fitness and stuff like you do 
doing fitness in a way where you're like playing games or doing something like volleyball or playing tennis with your friend or throwing a football around or whatever it may be, just something that gets you in that state of play will activate that intuition and your childlike state and your authentic self. And doing that every day, even a tiny, tiny bit, will help you immensely. I, you and I were talking about this. I spoke about this on one of my episodes because I'm always like, I almost whore this on my story all the time about writing and morning routines. Like I talk about it all the time, all the time. And there was a, it was probably about two and a half, three years ago. Um, I mean, Abe even knows this, how, like I almost felt like somebody just put me in a corner and I was just, I just was so sad and resentful that somebody took away my creativity. Like the one thing that I love so much in the world, like I can remember when I was a child, I would literally tell my mom, I'm gonna be back. I would go in the room, lock myself in the room, go do a puzzle, go do something. And I would say, I'll come out when I'm ready. And somebody told me about Julia. <laughs> well, <Smart> thank you. <laughs> um, somebody told me about Julia Cameron's The Artist's Way. And it does help to unstuck you, unstick you um, from that creative to really open up that creative space so I almost felt like fine I'll try anything like I will try anything and it did it really did it brought me back into a place of, of something that maybe eventually I will start to talk about a little bit more on my podcast I do love to write I am not the best writer but I, I definitely would love to write a book with wellness and being in fitness for such a long time just and it's been because of the artist way that it opened that up for me. It and opens up this podcast. It opened up yeah. that space of writing. And what are those experiences that you've had with creativity that has opened up that part of you to actually just be in your unique self and your creative self? Like, what is it that has helped you? Well, actually, it's funny because uh, I just started the artist way about a week ago. And uh, I always talk about the fact that uh, creativity and creation, like spirit, is the same thing. It's your expression, right? And so we're all creative beings and we're supposed to be creative. And if we don't, we feel like a piece of us is missing. And we, even if we say we're not creative, there still feels like something's missing and we don't know why. Um, the artist's way is really beautiful because of the fact that the the free flow writing that you do. So you, so if people don't know what this is, it's a book that gives you prompts for writing every morning and you take yourself on a date, like an artist date once a week and you do all these like little activities. But the morning pages, it's three pages of free flow writing and through that you will have like crazy breakthroughs just from the next, uh, the next thought that comes up, just start writing about that and just keep going until the three pages are filled up and the flow that happens when you're doing that sort of writing is the flow of creation, is the flow of spirit, is the flow of creativity. And that book, she talks about it a lot, how um, like divine force and divine source and force, sure, um, and creativity go hand in hand. They're the same thing. Mm -hmm. So you saying like, oh, I'm not a good writer, or I'm not a great writer. Like, that's not true. That's societal programming telling you that you're not a good writer. Like, who told you that? 
They're it's okay. I, I literally, I'm okay with this because I've had either like my partner or my friend, like somebody text me and be like, hey, just want, just want to let you know that your English is completely uncorrect for your social media purse. Uh, well, post, excuse me. And I'm almost like, honestly, <laughs> I'll fix it. But I just, and so what I've been doing lately, that's an, and editor. This is, <laughs> that's an editor, what I've been doing lately is I will go onto Google. This is what I do. And I, um, I started, I don't know what it's called. It's called like wiki grammar. Mm-hmm. So I take my posts and I go in wiki grammar. I write the whole post. I submit it. They check the English. They check the writing. Yeah. So I have like no blanks and I set it. Because like, I don't know, like it's such a mind fuck. It really is such a mind fuck because my, this is my thought process with it. I'm sure other people have the same exact thing. It's like, I have a business. I have a business in fitness. I have a business in real estate. I am totally driven by women in business. I, I can tell stories of, of things that people have overcame in their successes and men as well. And I love it. That's what I, I'm always connected to. So when I turn back to myself, I'm like, you're not doing this right. And the other people around you are going to view you as not going to do it right. And they're not going to take you seriously. And that's, that's, that's the shit that I go through. That literally is how can I make sure that I'm always crossing my T's, dotting my I's, presenting myself in the best way that people either A, support my business or they want to work with me. Those things I find to be such key because respect, I talk about this a lot with my partner, is that respect in the world and in business or whatever it is that I'm trying to to do in, in my life is something I value. I value that. Right. So, but that's perfectionism. And society has told us that we can't make mistakes. Like our schooling, right, is built for factory workers. Like we're supposed to just like learn how to like not talk, do the job, blah, 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 blah. It's not made for creation. It's not made for make for anything like this. So we're constantly told if we're not doing it exactly right, then we're wrong. And that's not the case. Like we are humans, we learn through failure. If you don't fail, you won't get anywhere. That's literally how it's supposed to go. So the fact of somebody being like, oh, like you have a lot of grammatical errors and whatever, cool, then get an editor, like whatever. But that it's just, I honestly believe that the more, more vulnerable and real you are, the more people will appreciate it because people are so afraid of being vulnerable and being authentic and honing up to being like, oh, I make mistakes all the time. Oh, I ha- I'm just like a normal human. There's, you know, our uh, social media, especially Instagram, when that was like huge, was something that made everybody believe that they had to be perfect all the time and that they could only present their perfect face to the world and that's like not the case and i feel like things are changing now and people want people to be vulnerable and to be real humans and to talk about things a different way so when we own up to our mistakes or we own up to not being the best at something but we're trying that gives that gives other people the ability to be like, oh, I can do that too. Like, I don't have to be perfect at it. Like, they're not perfect at it and they're doing a good job. You know, we have to learn. We have to go from somewhere. So just like, I'm constantly so hard on myself all the time. And I come from a perfectionist background. I wouldn't put anything out unless it was perfect. Mm. And now I don't care. Like, I really don't care. And it's, it's so important. And once I stopped being like so perfect, 
and or what I thought was perfect is when I started actually having other people like reach out to me and my social media and everything changed because I was able to be vulnerable and not be like just be a normal human if that makes sense. I don't really know that there is an actual normal human being, but I've definitely thought about it. I'm like, what is normal? What's the right thing? Normal human is a flawed being, but it's not flaws. It's just what society tells us is a flaw. Yeah. And I, I think like it's also we are so programmed. We are so programmed in such a way where it's like we forget like, wait, OK, what what am I supposed to do with this? How am I supposed to respond to this? And that's where I think like some sometimes those outside sources really do help, whether it's people you trust, books that you read personally, and maybe you'll experience this with the artist way. My writing is my best friend, mm -hmm. is my best friend. Like I've I've said it to um, probably Abe. I said it to him before. I was like, if you you, you really want to just like have a moment to connect with me, just read, read what I write in the morning that will that's my connection to just being vulnerable. And then I, maybe if this will also help someone as well, I ask for either how can I be in service? And today I was like just asking, how can I find gratitude in the things that are in front of me that increase my perspective? I have gratitude totally. and I practice gratitude, but that perspective around mm -hmm. it, because we're always racing to the next thing, racing to the next thing. It's we like, never celebrate the little, yeah. the little steps up along the way. Exactly. It's like, okay, so I'm going to start a business and now I need to like sell 10 houses by tomorrow. And I'm just like, we were talking about this morning in a meeting where it was just like, you can set a year goal, but then power it down all the way down to this week. Oh, and then make it super micro and then go macro from there where it's like, this is my yearly goal and then go six months go three months go one month go one day and go one hour like make the goals that way that you're so micro yeah that you're just you're patient with yourself 100 percent um i heard somebody talking about this the other day that we decide that our best day like when we're in a manic mode when we have so much energy and we get so much done and whatever that's a good day but it's not realistic to keep up with because our energy is not normally that high, right? We're in a manic mode. We're in a hyper um, creative mode or whatever it may be. But that's for that, like that one day. And then you usually have a crash afterwards and you usually are like not as productive, right? So the thing is, is that we're constantly thinking we're not doing enough because we're basing it on our manic states. We're basing it on this time where we were like, so much was done and we had so much energy and we felt great and whatever and we're like that's a good day instead of saying oh that's like a really crazy day where i got a lot of stuff done but that's not a good day you base a good day on how you are normally yeah. getting a couple of things done instead of basing a good day on something where you achieved like so much stuff which is unrealistic to continue with every single day of your life unless you have a giant support team around you of like managers and agents and people that are constantly moving you around and doing all this stuff and setting up everything for you. If you're doing everything on your own, like that's never going to be, unless you're on ADD medication and you're on methamphetamines, then like, sure, then you can be in manic mode all day, every day, but that's also not healthy for you. Yeah. You, um, I'm going to talk about it again because I think it's such an amazing presence that you have. Um, I think your TikTok is like Divine Arcana. Divine Arcana. Arcana. Yeah. 
And I would love for you to be able to give a really simple exercise. Guys, she does like these incredible TikTok videos. There's so much positivity. I'm like, I'll go on a run and I literally will listen to one of them. And I'm like, okay, this is my thing for the day. And it's like 30 seconds. And it really is such, it does make my day. And I appreciate that. And I love that presence. And I love that presence that you have and that you're bringing on your platform. So what is an exercise or something that by listening to this episode, somebody can do, somebody can take, somebody can integrate? What would that be? Okay, so outside of being the observer for the day without judgment, another thing that I find so important is that so in our normal day, we don't take everything in that's around us, right? So by looking at every single thing we have in our lives and being grateful for it, I know people talk about gratitude a lot, but honestly, when you wake up, be grateful that you woke up in a bed. Be grateful that you were able to get sleep because you live in an apartment or you live in a house. Be grateful that you can go to your refrigerator and get running water. Be grateful and be say it out loud. like. Thank you. I always tell my water, thank you. I say, thank you, thank you, thank you. I love you, I love you, I love you. That's what I say to it. And also, um, it's funny because I didn't grow up religious at all and prayer was like something that I like never did. And now that I'm really like fully formed in my, like, my spirituality, I pray before every meal. So, and really I pray for like the gratitude of the people, plants and animals that brought it to me, right? The, the money in my bank accounts to be able to afford the food. The fact that my family members are healthy and happy for now. You know, gratitude for like the small things that we have around us every single day that we take for granted. If we just, if everyone just took a moment to see all of the small little blessings that they have in their lives, instead of just focusing on the negative all the time, which is so easy to do, then we would be filled up and our cup would be overflowing that and so we would be able to see how blessed and how held we actually are. And being held and blessed doesn't mean that bad, negative, or whatever stuff is not going to happen. That's not what that means. But being grateful for the moments when you are able to be grateful for everything around you and able to see everything because something bad's not happening. That is so important. So just for try it just at least for a day. Just everything, everything that you experience putting on your clothes, be grateful that you have clothes. Be grateful that you can put a jacket on if it's cold outside. Be grateful that you can call a friend, that you have a friend to call, that you can go outside and you can put your feet on the grass because you have grass. You know, there's a park nearby you for whatever it is. Just like be grateful for every little thing. Even if you see a bug, I love bugs. Like I'm obsessed with insects because they're so cool. Everyone's like, in the grand scheme of things, I'm so tiny, I'm I'm insignificant, I don't matter, right? That's what a lot of people say that are stuck in this negativity pattern. But our world wouldn't work without the microbes. It wouldn't work without the insects. It wouldn't work without these small things that we pass up every single day. Every one of them has a very important job that keeps our earth running. So being grateful to each and every one of those makes you realize that you're a part of something much greater and much bigger and you play an important important role in the creation of everything Mm, that was so so sweet i like started to tear up i was like oh my god that's so sweet i love that no i love that i think that's like sometimes i just love that like it just it really just 
brings tears to my eyes sometimes. Just some people are just so connected to that that place of gratitude. We live in a really cool place. I know. I, <laughs> There's I, a lot of terrible stuff going on, but we live in a really cool place. I love crystals and rocks, and sometimes if I grab a crystal, it means that I have to say something I'm grateful for. Oh, I love that. If I touch a rock, I have to think of something I'm grateful for. If I'm yeah. walking on a hike and I touch a rock, I have to find something to be grateful for. It's almost, it's almost like my button. I'm like, oh, hit the button. I got to find something to be grateful for. What a nice little reminder. I like, yeah. I love that. Yeah, I just, I don't know, for some reason, so I have like rocks and crystals around my apartments. Um, I'm obsessed with morning routines, and you know this, and I know that you said to me that in your morning routine, <laughs> you watch cartoons, and you talk about your age. Uh, if you guys can see, and you'll see this like in videos or the YouTube video, she's stunning. I know that you're a vegan. Mm -hmm. You're stunningly beautiful. You're Good gorgeous. Idea. Seriously. <laughs> Uh, what's in your morning routine? What's in your wellness routine? Um, let's see. So my morning routine is a little wonky, as people would say, but it works for me. So I actually wake up and I have coffee and I watch 30 minutes of cartoons. It is nostalgic for me. And I think um, I kind of grew up in a little bit of chaos when I was like growing up. So cartoons were kind of my like outlet. So it puts me in a very like calming, safe space to start my day and kind of wake up in. Um, also something else that I do is I spend 30 minutes to an hour learning something new. So I go on YouTube or I go through, so if I don't know what to look up, I'll go on like Pinterest or something and I'll be like, oh, how do you lay a foundation of a house? <laughs> like, or how do you, um, spin pottery on a wheel or how do you do uh, how do you groom a horse like whatever it is something that's completely out of my wheelhouse something that I don't know anything about I learn about for 30 minutes to an hour every single day and it's really cool because it allows me also to have more to talk about with other people because I'm like oh my god you're you are you a construction worker or whatever like oh I just learned about this and we have like something to talk about which is really cool it's a great like icebreaker and also it allows me to have a more full view of my world around me at things I might not know about um and then I meditate for um I try to do it for 25 minutes um but sometimes I'm a little lazy or you know not not in a place where I'm like, oh, I'm going to do this and I'll do it for five or 10 minutes. And then I go into my work day and that's that's kind of it. But recently I started doing the artist way. And so I've been still starting with my coffee and cartoons, but then I turn them off and I write the three pages of just free flow, free flow, creative thought. And it's been like game changing. Absolutely. And it's been really nice to have an outlet like that and I realized I haven't written longhand in so long because after writing like a paragraph I'm like my hand is killing me how did I ever write before you know but um it is crazy it really unblocks you and I get why people journal people are like oh morning journaling is so important and I'm like yeah yeah I don't understand mm. now I understand mm. I mean some of the, the the most famous writers that people admire they do morning pages I get that. Yeah. Um, and wellness. What's I mean, you you literally, if anybody sees, like, you're shiny, you glow, you're just I'm so shiny. beautiful. I'm shiny. Oily face. No. Um, uh, I don't know. I don't eat a lot of sugar. I don't uh, eat a lot of processed foods. I've been vegetarian since I was nine years old. I've oh, been wow. vegan for wow. a couple years now. Um, I spent my high school years and most of my college years not eating any dairy. Mm. Um, and now I'm full vegan. And, but yeah, I don't really eat sugar. Um, my, like, I've 
Cause I did this on purpose though, is I like, I would love to just sit here and eat cake and cookies all day long. That'd be great. It'd be down. Um, but I made like the decision that after dinner, I just put like little, um, what are those things called? Clement, not clementines, cuties. Oh. I put cuties in the refrigerator oh. and they literally taste like candy. Oh. Like if they're in the refrigerator, don't eat them plain, like in the refrigerator. Oh. But after dinner, like eating oh. those, it tastes like huh. a dessert. So that's, I've gotten used to just eating fruit for dessert oh, wow. and making sure there's always like vegetables in every single meal, which was put in place by my parents. My dad did most of the cooking growing up and he, we had a salad with every single meal. That's so. awesome. Oh my God. I love it. Yeah. That's great. And where can we find you? Um, where can you find me? Uh, so Divine Arcana is my Instagram, my YouTube and my TikTok. And yeah, that's where I'm at right now. And yeah, that's kind of it for yeah, the moment. Thank you for being here. So I'm gonna do my first giveaway. Oh. And yeah, so if you write to me either at Jessica J Fury or at Dumb Girl Podcasts, and I want you to share your favorite part of this episode, and I will send you your own copy of The Artist's Way. You will hold yourself accountable and you will do it and you will love it. You Thank will you love it. The, yeah, you will love <laughs> it. So that will be my first giveaway from myself and Tanya. Love it. And I'm grateful for you guys listening. You can find us on all platforms. I am Jessica Fury at Jessica J Fury, F-U-R-E-Y, and at Dumb Girl Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please email me at dumbgirlpodcast at gmail.com. You guys have a great day and be well. <laughs>